candy corn's the worst part of Halloween. It's garbage. I'll say it. I don't like pickles either. I don't like uh, cylinder-shaped foods. Oh, my God. Pickles are amazing. Do you like cucumbers? I do like cucumbers. What the fuck? I don't like the brine of pickles. I just, I hate pickles. Gross. Oh, my God. Anyway. This is a great start. Hello and welcome to Horrible Friends. Uh, my name is Kyle and we are here to go over a uh, some movies. Uh, we generally go over uh, the plot of movies, uh, cinematics, sound, music, score, special effects, and spoopiness. Uh, we have a fantastic, uh, t- probably my favorite so far movie. Uh, and with that, um, like I said, my name is Kyle. And I'm Mike. I'm Dan. I'm Jarvis. I'm Chris. And I will send the plot summary over to Mr. Dan. What movie do we have today? All right. Well, today we have one of, if not my favorite horror movies of all time, uh, The Thing. Uh, So this is not the remake version. This is the classic 1982 version of The Thing. So let's go through this plot. So we start off, we have a, a spaceship flying in space. And uh, we see it crash into Antarctica. Um, so we we get the intro, we get the title of the movie. Then we cut over to a helicopter that seems to be shooting at a dog and a wolf. Uh, or it's a wolf. I'm not sure if it's a dog or a wolf. Um, I think it's a dog. Yeah, I think it's a dog. I think it's just a husky. But anyway, so in Antarctica, this helicopter's chasing this dog. Um, they're shooting at it, and uh, they come up on what is the U.S. base. Um, we cut over to see Kurt Russell, whose name in the movie is Mac, and he's playing chess and drinking whiskey, and he's like talking, he's talking shit on this chess game, and then he immediately loses it, and uh, in true good sport fashion, pours his whiskey all over the very expensive technology uh thus breaking the computer yeah that Uh, that had to have been like 50k who's the chess master now (laughs) (laughs) Um, i did want to mention when those guys were flying uh they they were shooting there was no recoil on their gun it was just like tunk 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 (laughs) my first note of the movie when i was rewatching it was uh what is he shooting at? Yeah. Because he wasn't aiming. No. He was just he's just shooting. Uh mine was this is the longest helicopter opening ever. It it's a good five minutes of just hel- like kind of boring uh shots of a helicopter shooting at something. I think it just showed how bad his aim was because he could Fair. not hit that dog to save his life. Which was running in a straight line, yeah. And then he threw a grenade at the dog. It's like, if you can't hit him with a bullet, why do you going to hit him with a grenade? <laughs> oh, oh, the grenade part is comical. Well, hang on, hang on. I'll stop, I'll stop at the grenade part and then we can all make our jokes about the grenade part because there's no way that everyone doesn't have a joke about that. So anyway, so we get the wolf and we find out that the helicopter is Norwegian. Um, that's what the scientists at the... U.S. base all come out and say. 
Um, there are quite a few scientists, so I'm not going to sit here and name all of them right now. We'll name them as we get to them. Um, so the helicopter is flying to the U.S. base and trying to blow up the wolf. I have next in my notes for the synopsis or the plot, uh, the grenade flies out of his hand backwards and blows up his helicopter. <laughs> um, what the hell happened? <laughs> Well, you see, the helicopter wasn't running away from him, so he was able to get it. Oh. Not like that pesky dog. Yeah, they, they also stared at it. That that was a really long uh, wait time between uh, pin out, hand off, and then they were like, uh, 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 and then boom. It, it was comical. It was great. I'll tell you one thing, though. If uh, That was like, it's such like an American culture. Like, there's this dog running at me. And there's people shooting at the dog. Ooh, they're foreign. That guy just exploded. Good on him. Fuck that guy. Let's shoot the other one in the head. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so just like Jarvis said, um, the guy starts shooting. He's trying to shoot the dog, but he accidentally shoots one of the U.S. scientists. And naturally, uh, they shoot back at him because they think that the Norwegians have gone crazy. Um now, initially, you may think that this is due to some uh, xenophobia that these American scientists have against Norwegian people. Um, but no, we find out in the next scene that the U.S. base actually hasn't been able to reach anyone in two weeks and tensions are rising. So we can assume that the Norwegian base probably is having the same issue. They're not able to reach anyone. Uh, so there's a growing fear throughout the movie that people are getting cabin fever and starting to lose it. Um, I, do, I do need to pause you there because I had, yeah. uh, when, <laughs> when the captain or whatever you want to call him, um, when he goes to shoot the guy, cause it, the captain ends up stopping him, uh, stopping the guy with the gun. Cause he's the only one left. Cause he killed his partner with a bad grenade. Um, and uh, he shrugged that off too. I love that. The Norwegian guy was like, anyway, back to shooting. Uh, be clear, and, it was a good grenade, really bad aim. Correct. Clearly, it was a very good grenade. <laughs> he was like, "Hey, a kill's a kill, right?" Um, <laughs> and so he, uh, the 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 captain goes to shoot him, but straight out of like a, a naked gun movie, he just like he punches the glass of his gun and kind of jiggles his gun until it all goes away. That, I, that made would, me laugh pretty I hard. was I was like, "Oh, this is this is great." <laughs> um, and then I also had uh. I really like the music so far. The music has been pretty good because it's very quiet. It's like bum bum, bum bum, the whole time. It's very simple and it's very effective in what it's trying to do. Mm -hmm. uh, completely agree. All right, um, now we're good. So I, I want to go back to my comment earlier about xenophobia really quick because what follows is Mac continuously, even after he's told that these are Norwegians. He continues to call them Danish, uh, <laughs> Swedish, yeah. like just doesn't care. He's like, they're all the same to me. And I'm like, wow, Kurt Russell or I mean, Mac is a douche. I mean, all those countries in that area, all those Nordic countries are the same, according to Mac. And there goes all of our viewership in the uh, Europe. I was out. <laughs> Mac, I was my, I mean, the the opinions of Mac do not reflect the opinions of Horrible Friends or any of its subsidiaries. 
<laughs> it's it's very much like what Jarvis said, though, right? It's that American mentality. It's like, LOL, look at the bad shooters from other countries. Oh, where are they from? Who gives a shit? They're not from America. Let's go get them, boys. Fuck <laughs> <laughs> um, them, so I, I do want to say that the, the Norwegian man runs in, he's, he's yelling something and he runs away. So I had to Google it. Cause I was like, that has to be a thing. He had to say something. It gave away the whole movie. Uh, no way. Really? Yeah. Yeah. He screams, get the hell out of there. That's not a dog. It's some sort of thing. It's, it's imitating a dog. It isn't real. Get away. You idiots. I, I mean, like, it's, oh, his own, it's his own fault for not telling them in English. I mean, yeah, come speak, on now. <laughs> come on. We're, we're in Antarctica. Speak American. American. <laughs> but, oh, my God, that just makes me like this movie more. There's yeah, another yeah. layer. Yeah, I had to I had to Google it because I was like, that seemed a little too poignant that he could only speak Norwegian. Uh, yeah, Norwegian. I mean, he is Norwegian. <laughs> you would assume he could speak Norwegian. Hey. All right. So, um, so the tensions are high. Even in the American base, uh, you can see them bickering between each other through different scenes. Um, Hyde is currently working the the helicopter. Uh, they, it's not really Hyde. I'm sorry, Hyde's a rapist, uh, but this guy isn't a rapist. Uh, I'm sorry. Um, he, he's got really curly hair and he's got the big glasses, just like Hyde from that 70s show. But he's I'm not a rapist. brought that up because I wrote the same thing. I was like, man, Hyde's kind of a dick. <laughs> <laughs> so... Um, so we cut over, um, Mac flies the doctor and someone else, uh, I didn't catch who it was to the Norwegian base, uh, to report what happened and check on the base. We cut over back to the wolf. There's a lot of like cut to blacks, cut to, cut to another scene. So we cut over to the wolf who was, uh, taken in and he's sneaking around and he visits an unknown person. We don't really see who that is. Uh, we just see a shadow of them. And then we cut to black and we cut back to the Nor Norwegian base where Mac and uh, the others are finding out that the base was burned down and that no one is alive anymore. Uh, they find a bunch of corpses and uh, they find like the corpses are all deformed and very strange looking. They They don't really can't really comprehend what's going on with them. Uh, but they also find what appears to be a tomb. Um, so they bring back the deformed corpse and the camera finally shows us that the corpse has a bunch of arms on it and it has multiple faces. Um, they dissect the corpse. They, uh, they put the wolf, they cut back over to the guy taking care of the wolf. The guy's name is Clark. Uh, they put the wolf in with the other dogs and then we uh, in an amazing fashion find out that that wolf is not a real wolf and it begins killing all the other dogs who were snarling and barking and freaking out at it and it's just absorbing them and spewing acid on them and it's shit is going down in this kennel. Do we um do we know if any of these dogs got any awards for this movie? Because they were fantastic. Everybody acted very well in this movie, but the dogs were. were I will great. say one of the dogs is uh given an acting credit in the list of credits for the thing. Ooh, the dog's name is Jed. Ha, <laughs> Jed. Oh, and, Jed. 
And Jed appeared in four movies, by the way, and Dang. and lived to be eighteen. Wow, wow. that's R.I.P. Doggo. And then he was actually uh, Jed was the the stray dog that was the thing. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. He was super good. He was a really good actor. I actually wrote down who's a better actor, the dog or Kurt <laughs> Russell. <laughs> that's like, a I would say even that whole scene with the dog that was uh, infected with a thing. It when he goes into the kennel with all the other dogs, you could just feel the tension, even though it's just animals. That he's just sitting there in silence, and all the other dogs are uh, asleep, and they're coming, they're waking, starting to wake up, and they start growling at him because you know they know he's not a normal dog. They know it's different, and that it's about to go down. So that was, I thought that was one of the better scenes of the movie. Oh yeah, I wrote down, I wrote a note um, last week. I, I I gave a shout out to uh, uh, DoesTheDogDie.com. Um, I think whenever they uploaded the information for this movie, the site might have like, <laughs> might have you know completely shut down <laughs> because all the dogs die horribly. Yeah, yeah. At one point or another, they all die in this movie. Yeah, um, I actually have it as a note because like, so so like Jarvis said, all the dogs die, but there's a couple that get out at this point. And the dogs, every time I watch the scene, because I've seen this movie a couple times now, every time I watch the scene, the first thing that goes through my mind is the dogs are like, open the fucking door. Like the one is biting through the fence. <laughs> yeah, uh, it was a good scene. They were freaking out. This um, party favor style uh, bad guy, which is just like spinning shit around. He's got like glitter and, and spit coming out of him. It, it's a wild scene. It was I, I was I was unsettled. <laughs> so so we so what basically happens is like I said, it's spewing it starts shooting out arms all over from this dog. It's spewing acid on dogs. Um the scientists they come over, they go see what's going on with the dogs that are being killed. They shoot the shit out of it before it mutates. That's in my notes uh, because they did shoot the shit out of that thing. Um, and that doesn't kill it. We find out that bullets won't kill it. Uh, they also bring a flamethrower and the flamethrower does do the trick. They do burn it. Um, so we cut over. We see that they are dissecting this now. And the doctor pieces the plot all together from this. So. Um, it's actually not the doctor it's the scientist the scientist pieces the plot together um so at this point we see we see that the scientist whose name is blair and clark who's the dog keeper are talking are taking the dog's blood and the doc shows suspicion towards clark so we're not sure if clark is good or bad at this point uh the u.s crew watches a tape from the Norwegian camp and it shows where the spaceship is and where the thing came from. That is actually how they refer to it. They refer to it as the thing in the movie. Um, Blair, who is the scientist, he finds out the high probability that someone is infected there. I believe it was approximately 75%. And uh, he finds out how long it will take for this to infect the entire population, which it said in approximately 29,000 hours. 
it can infect the entire world population. Um, can we just right. really quickly take a second to talk about how crazy accurate that computer is? What computer operating system is he using <laughs> that could possibly predict that? Yeah, uh, chess like... master. <laughs> just what? <laughs> <laughs> Clearly not. Thanks, <laughs> Kurt Russell. <laughs> yeah, he just goes, how long till everybody dead? And computer's like, 29,000 hours. Okay, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> By my calculations... Yeah, I, I I thought that was a little silly, um, but yeah. you know. Now okay. now, is that now that's Doctor Blair, right? Yeah, yeah. So Blair was the scientist who uh, the doctor that Blair is not the doctor. I actually don't remember what the doctor's name was. Uh, I believe uh, it was uh, Gary. No, Gary was the uh, sheriff guy. Uh, Doctor Copper. Copper. Okay. Oh, Copper. Okay. Yep. Okay. So I, I'm going to open this up to you guys to talk about everything else that transpires up until, um, up until. Hang on, I'm just finding it in my notes. Basically, the end of the movie because. <laughs> <laughs> what I found out, well, 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 hear me out. So, and I, I messaged everyone yesterday and I said, I'm not going to talk about this part. So first off, if you haven't seen this movie, please go watch this like first, because mm -hmm. this part is amazing just as a movie on its own. But it's so intricate and so many things are going on that I felt I would do a disservice in order like to try to actually explain what happens so what i'm going to do is i'm going to tell you who dies but and then i'm going to open it up to everyone else to talk about your favorite deaths and what you thought about it and what like blew your mind about it or how you felt about it or what you hated um so the following people are killed these are names we have bennett that's the first guy who dies who walks out into the snow we have dukes uh we have vance we have the doc who's my favorite death uh, we have Clark, Palmer, Wendell, and Gary. And then uh, the last guy who dies, we, we don't even see what happens to him. So what what did you guys think about this? Uh, they were so varied and good that it kept me it kept me going. All of these deaths were like they were perfect. They the special effects for everything was was great. And um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I. I think the which which one did I have a lot? Uh, so I, my my biggest thing was when they were taking. It's kind of far on, but when they were taking blood from everybody, they really got into the video, like get, like zoomed in on people cutting their own thumbs to get blood out. And I was like, why the thumb? You could have gone anywhere else, but you said the thumb. It, that looks super painful. Uh, I have a note here. Oh my! Probably my my favorite interaction kind of not a death part but it was right after somebody died and they're trying to figure out who's going to be the, the next leader quote unquote and so the the guy with the with the handgun puts it down i think he's like sergeant or whatever they gary. call him gary yeah so they, it, uh, he puts the gun down and they're like i need somebody to be the next leader and they look at the one guy and he's like you do it Who, this guy had never spoken any words pretty much this whole movie and he was like I don't feel comfortable doing that. And they're like, okay. 
so then uh oh god uh, what's his name it started with a c oh, uh, clark clark was it was childs? It childs childs yes childs oh childs yes so do you childs. mean uh keith david yes uh yes so, the amazing keith david is in this so childs reaches for reaches for it he's like fine i'll do it at the same time that mac does and they were like whoa 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 and they uh, mac grabs the gun and he's like we need somebody who's a little less hot-headed and i was like i feel uncomfortable with this scene <laughs> i was like <laughs> he had done nothing in this movie so far to be hot-headed i was like this is a little racist i'm just gonna put it out there i'm so happy <laughs> you said that because i wrote down why won't they let childs have the gun are they racist? Like, literally wrote that down. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, you can't trust the black guy with the gun, huh? <laughs> so I thought that was pretty uh, awkward. That was a really weird scene. Um, but yeah, it was... Uh, well, I, I think the when everybody's sitting on the bench and they're testing everybody's blood, though, and the, the first guy uh, gets turned... It, it turns out he's... Uh, the, the demon... Not demon, I guess. What is thing. He, uh, the alien. The he's thing. a that's palmer uh, yeah palmer and he's like he starts to ascend from the chair and they're like uh get us out get us out get us out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's good i would say the most unsettling thing about this movie for me at least was uh blair who played by wilford brimley mm. he did not have his uh wilford brimley walrus mustache Mm-hmm. and uh it just did sitting. not feel like uh wilford brimley that would be like if andy reed showed up tomorrow and then shaved his mustache <laughs> like who is this man what's he doing here yep uh, i did not immediately recognize him i'll be the first to admit it that's because he didn't have his mustache if he had his mustache you would have recognized him i think when i think wilford brimley i think diabetes commercials yep. and mustache I was that's say, wilford brimley to me he didn't complain about his diabetes once so i also didn't know it was him I think he had uh, other things going on. But uh, in all seriousness, my favorite death in this movie or reveal would probably be Bennett. He was like the first person that was killed by all the other men in this research station. They had chased him out into the the snow and the storm, and he was right in the middle of his transformation. And just the the noise he makes and like the shock on his face when he realizes he's caught or the thing realizes it's caught mid-transformation. And that's when they just light him on fire. And that was probably my favorite reveal of death in the movie. Yeah, I'd go with that. That's pretty good. Um, Definitely a memorable scene for sure. Um, I'll I'll go. Um, I think it's it's absolutely time uh, we should talk about the the autopsy scene oh yeah <laughs> it, it needs to be talked about this is um probably probably the most well-known scene in the movie and i mean the, the more we speak about you know the different scenes i mean this i think this is really what put john Car- carpenter on the map um you know in, in popular horror culture because this is this is some shit who thinks of this man um does anyone want to talk the uh, the the autopsy scene? Uh, between the first and the second one, uh, the the first one I I did write down. That's pretty unsettling. Um, it was it was pretty uh, it was gross. I mean, there's the guy with the twisted face, and they're like, "Yep," and then he's got guts, and he's got more guts, and look at that, he's just like a human. He's got a heart <laughs> and some more guts, and he just dumps into a bucket. Uh, 
and that was gross and then yeah the, then there's a second autopsy i think when they they get the bigger one and they're like uh i think it was the dog yeah the dog combo he's like look it just hadn't finished yet it's pretty gross ain't it and he just keeps on pushing <laughs> his hands in there and he's like see and i'm like you don't have to do this we can see it no stop you don't have to <laughs> check this out this doesn't belong to a dog you guys uncomfortable uh, yet and then i think the, the scene you want to talk about jarvis is the final autopsy scene when he's he's like trying to give uh somebody was it will vance is it vance it's vance yeah trying to give vance like a he he hit him with the defibrillator and he's been doing um chest compressions and then he pushes just a little too hard and then the chest opens up and just devours his arms pause does did anyone did anyone else hear the wilhelm scream as when he like when it Mm -hmm. bites down on his arm yep (laughs) They, yep, they yep. used a couple canned uh there was that one and then there's a fight at one point where mac gets a punch i and I, I was gonna bring that up too yes, yes. that was a, a good fake punch sound it was like a cow <laughs> <laughs> you, you know i when he when he gets the arms bit off mm-hmm. that the first time i watched it that i was like oh my god this is that scene i've seen this before mm-hmm now this time watching it that wasn't the unsettling part the unsettling part is after they burn the body and then vance's head just falls off the body sprouts spider legs (laughs) the eyes go up like bug like and then it crawls away in a comedic fashion because no one sees it and it's like <laughs> yeah, and he he kind of it turns around a little bit once they spot it. They're like, "Oh my god!" And he turns around. He's like, "Who me?" And then <laughs> that, was, that was my favorite death. Just Spiderhead trying to like do 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 nonchalantly walk away, and then everyone stops and looks up like, "Oh, hey guys!" Uh, you know, just don't mind me. Just I'm gonna. Just gonna go ahead and mosey on out of here. <laughs> yeah, I think that that was one of my favorite, like body horror effects, mm. because I don't like spiders to begin with. But this, the head gets—it's a head spider, and it's very unsettling and spoopy. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> then very gross. I think that's the, one of the grossest parts of the movie when the spider head just starts to crawl away, and it's like. Shh, nobody sees me i'm gonna get away now i didn't i didn't like the um uh, there was a scene somebody's body was under the table and it was hide and somebody else in the room and i I know i'm doing really bad with these names there's a lot of characters in this film there's a lot of characters Um, there's a lot it's hard to keep up with yeah uh but uh hide hide looks at the body and he's like uh yeah no okay it looks fine and then he turns away and then just suddenly the the uh, blanket that's on him shifts and i was like oh okay this is gonna be good i wonder when that's gonna come back instantly almost instantly mm-hmm. because then like they turn off to the side and then like it starts to to body melt a little and just goop falls off the body i was like it's just it's so gross they it's so gross man well that's a telltale sign that everything's about to go wrong whenever someone says it's fine. Don't worry about it. They're like, well, you just, it's, it's going to go all fucked up now. You just said it's fine. Yeah, that's good. Well, you, said you said the thing. Now we're fucked. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> what is that thing? Oh God, you said it. Oh. <laughs> um, can can uh, I, I want to give uh, that Wendell death like some credit, like where he gets his head bit and he's just being thrashed uh, yeah. yes. around. What the shit? Yeah. I also, there was I like the moment like before it happens, like they're just staring at each other, him and the thing, and all of a sudden it's just like, all right, head's gonna open. <laughs> they yeah, they both realize they're like, yep. Well, uh, this is happening, huh? Mm. <laughs> and then just a big old nibble, and then yeah, then he was covered in the goop, and then he was the goop, and then uh, they burned him, and then they tested more bodies. Yeah, that. The testing was pretty cool. I thought that was a good good use of a a good attempt at explaining it, especially now that they remembered what the one doctor said. I that was that was a good a good run. Um, I don't know. I, I, all the deaths were good, and they were so varied. And mm-hmm. there was a little bit of chomping, but like the special effects of this movie are just they're good. Yeah, I think one of the interesting fact about this is it was all practically like practical effects in this movie. The head of the uh, effects department, he was only 22 at the time of doing this movie. And uh, he was so worn out from exhaustion because he was working seven days a week for over a year that he had to be hospitalized for exhaustion after uh, leading a team of about 40 people and all these effects. Jeez, man. It's insane. But I just since we're talking about him and then I do, I, I do have the rest of the plot here, but I wanted to give us a lot of time to talk about the deaths there. Mm-hmm. Um, but since Mike already brought it up, uh, the guy's name is Rob Botton. Um, he's he is a genius. Like these are the movies that he's worked on. He worked on King Kong, The Fog, RoboCop, Total Recall, Seven, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, Fight Club. I mean, so, more than that. But like mm-hmm. the, the guy is a genius. He's amazing. Yeah, that's pretty Definitely cool. A legend. Yeah, that, that's a legacy. Um yeah, I guess we can. Anybody got any other deaths? We can kind of mosey on. I'm good. All right. Well, so um, all this happens um, again. The reason not we're not talking about it super in depth is because it's so intricate. There's so many twists that are going on, uh, and we couldn't do it justice if we were going to sit here and actually write out this plot for that part. So, uh, the tractor and chopper are destroyed. That's why they don't just leave uh blair's the one who destroys it he finds out because of his revelation of finding out that um that this is going to spread so quickly uh he decides that he's going to isolate everyone that's in the area and make sure that no one can leave and that the thing can't leave um blair explains that he can't trust anyone and beats the shit out of everyone (laughs) yo yes (laughs) i can't for me, the whole destroying of the tractor and the helicopter leads into like the major themes of this movie of like isolation, paranoia, and distrust of others. I mean, I thought Blair had the correct mindset of destroying the tractor and the helicopter, but no, you, there's no right way to do it because it could be interpreted in two ways. It's either I'm human, I'm destroying everything, the thing can't leave, and it's going to end here even if we all die. But then you could look at it on the opposite side is he's the thing. He wants to keep us all isolated. He wants to either infect or kill all of us. And we're all fucked. So no matter what you do or how you look at it, there's no way you could do that and come out 
like trustworthy or clean on the other side because you're either going to be distrusted or they're going to go after you for destroying everything. Definitely. Yeah. I, I think that's the genius of this movie is that I, the first time I watched it, I I never knew what to think. I was like, I, I don't know who's, who's who. It's, it's just so terrifying to think like anyone could be bad at any second. And you can't trust anybody besides yourself. Yeah. Like, I want to throw this out there. If hypothetically, the five of us got isolated somewhere. It's Mike. And it's Mike. It's, <laughs> Mike. Whoa, 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 it's whoa, whoa. Mike. We know it's Mike. <laughs> I mean, I think I'm the most trustworthy out of anybody here. I mean, I think we could all agree on that. But it comes down to how do you handle the situation you put yourself in? Where how do you react? Who do you trust? So how would anybody else do that? Uh, not well. Uh, the whole time I was like, they should just shoot him. Oh, wait, no, he was a good guy. All right. No, they should shoot him. Oh, no, he's, he's a good guy. Okay. <laughs> I yeah, was thing when McCready shot the guy and towards the end of the movie, it turned out he was not the thing. He's like, eh, you know, shit happens. I, I had no choice. I had to kill him. Yeah. And he didn't really have any remorse or any kind of bad feelings towards what he did. Because at the time, that's what he had to do in that situation. But the whole tone after that changed. Everybody was like, oh, okay. This is now suddenly real, even though it had been real. It, it was really weird to see. Like they, As soon as that death happened, everybody was like, okay, I guess we're listening to Mac now. Yeah, the, the man with the gun is the one in charge. Mm -hmm. I also think at that moment, like there wasn't really like any deaths that happened. It was because of the thing or mm -hmm. them like fighting the thing that was the first kind of moment of actual like you know human killing human at least as far as they knew mm -hmm. um i i did it kind of tangentially at this point I, I had written down notes that um they have an infinite supply uh supply of flares i thought about that too <laughs> yeah uh, my, my dude flares. my dude mac was just pulling flares out of his ass like <laughs> it was fantastic and they were like, you got a flare? Uh, yeah, yeah, he's got a flare. Yeah, of course he does. Really cavalier about the flares by a whole lot of flammable material kind of uh -huh. throughout the entire end. Just light a new flare. Oh, shit, that's gasoline. Ah, fuck it. Let's yeah, with the dynamite. <laughs> find with the, the dynamite. He's like, I'll do it. And I'm like, you already did. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's about to happen right now. He was holding that flare awfully close to that stick of dynamite that whole time he was in the below the, I guess it's the tower mm -hmm. that they had locked uh, Wilford Brimley in for a while. And so you, you can accidentally light this dynamite and you're gonna, it's not going to end well for you. So that actually segues uh, nicely. So as Mike just said, they, uh, they locked up the scientist uh, Blair in this place so they eventually come back for him after all the events happen that we just kind of spent the last bit talking about with all the deaths um they know they now know who is human and they want to go test blair to see if he is a thing as well uh, when they get there they don't find him but what they do find is that the boards in this shed are loose and it leads down into a cellar like area and in that cellar-like area, they find a spaceship that's being worked on. So the thing can refreeze itself 
until a rescue crew comes and finds them and the thing can take over them and then continue to expand. Um, Kurt Russell, uh, eventually they, they start blowing up generators and destroying things because they realize we can't leave here uh, and neither can that thing. So we're going to kill ourselves. We're going to destroy everything and make sure that it dies. Uh, Kurt, Kurt Russell meets up with Blair, uh, who has become a thing and has the best line in the entire movie, in my opinion. He throws the stick of dynamite and he says, fuck you too, and kills it. Yep. And that's it. <laughs> that was a beautiful moment. It was amazing. Oh, and then um, so just very quickly, and then we can talk about that a little bit more. Um, so Matt goes back outside. He finds Childs again. Uh, Mac and Childs have like a little conversation. They sit in the cold and they have to decide if they're going to die or if, uh, oh, I'm sorry. We as the audience have to decide if Childs is a thing or if they're just going to die in the freezing cold. And then the movie ends. Yep. Um, I did want to add on to the, the cool uh, fuck you too uh, scene. He did a really cool barrel roll or a uh, cool combat roll. Oh yeah, <laughs> really well executed. Uh, but yeah, uh, uh, yeah, I I really like the way this movie ended. It kind of up in the air, but I, don't know. <laughs> I will put this out there too. When do you think Childs got turned? Because in the beginning of the movie, it seemed like he was still human. He was still himself. He was trying to figure out how long it would take for everything to spread to anybody else outside of the world. Well, at what point do you think he was turned and became a thing? You said Childs, but I think you meant... Are you talking about... Science Man. Uh, Blair? Yes. Yeah, Blair. I'm sorry, Blair. That's the interesting thing. I think that's the thing they did well. Because, you know, once we discover, you know, that giant gaping hole in the ground under underneath the shed that they had kept him hostage, uh, uh, I mean, it, it was a pretty sizable amount of work, and he had pretty much constructed an entire flying saucer at that point. So it, it kind of leads to that, you know, is he just working really, really fast? Because these things are clearly very capable. Um, or has he sort of been directing us uh, to kind of get to this point for a lot longer than we realized? Yeah, they didn't uh, They didn't really mention a lot of time passing. And because it's the Antarctic, I think the time dilation or whatever is real weird down there, right? Like days, are, yeah, I think so. days are super long and nights are super long or whatever. I don't know. What am I, a scientist? Um, <laughs> but yeah, they but they did mention at one point they said like I think Max said he hadn't slept in two days, and it was only after the first like couple of events or something like that. So I don't know how many days passed, but yeah, if he was infected like pretty much right away, if if like what you said, they're kind of superhumany or super uh, extraterrestrially, then maybe he did it right away. I I thought he had been there for a lot longer. I thought he had just been undercover. Ah. Uh I still have no idea. Like, I, and I think that speaks to the genius of the movie. Like, I, I still have no idea. Like, was he a thing the whole time? Was it even before the movie started? Like, right. how long has this been going on? I, I, I have no idea. Yeah. And this is my first time watching it. So uh, I, I have no, my first instinct was that he had been uh, an alien for been the thing for some time. 
I think once he's like started destroying like everything, that's when I kind of had a feeling like he may have been infected and was just kind of playing it up to just make it seem like he kind of lost it a little bit. Mm. But I think that uh, if he was still human, he would be, he would have done the same thing mm-hmm. of destroying everything so they can't leave. If he was the thing, I mean, if I was the thing, I would want us to be able to leave so I could spread even faster. So I believe at some point between him destroying the transport out of the station and him getting put in the shed is that's when he was turned. I think yeah. also to like kind of counter that, like he could have destroyed everything, played crazy, and then they would have locked him away. So he would have been away from everyone. Like, all right, well, I'm going to silently work on what I want to work on and they won't be none the wiser. And that's one of my favorite things about this movie too. No matter what action you take, it could be interpreted as working with the group and against the group at the same time. It's just a matter of what mindset you're in and how much trust you can have in somebody else. Because at no point do you want to be alone with somebody if you're a human, because then you can get turned. You want to be in at least groups of three. But if you are the thing, you want to be isolated with another person. Mm-hmm. It's yep. all a matter of who you can trust and your own paranoia. The lesson is trust Mike. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for coming to my TED talk. (laughs) I I think the movie did a really good job of kind of like making two villains, right? So you have the thing, you have that kind of looming fear of who's infected, you know, who is, you know, who's going to be next to show themselves, who's the next monster. Um, But the, the second one is kind of like this encroaching, this storm and this, you know, increasing feeling of, of helplessness and, and isolation, as, as we've you mentioned before, because we know that they had been saying that we have a large storm running in um, within, you know, a matter of hours or, or days at one point. Um, and at the end, you know, we're, we're kind of left to decide, you know, do they live? Do they die? Well, the assumption is that they're going to freeze to death in that storm. Um, and that kind of leads into, well, you know, did did the thing die? Did they get them? Did they get it all? Um, I, I like just kind of how there was never going to be a happy ending and they had developed that from the very beginning yeah i agree 100 percent that this this whole atmosphere was i think they had high hopes in the beginning a little bit they were like we can get this we can get this i think after like two or three people died they were like we're done this is this is it how do we stop it and i was like okay that's that's reasonable. That's probably where I would have jumped to at that point. Would have been like, alrighty, shutting the ship down. Goodbye. Yeah, how do we just contain it to here and not let it get anywhere else? Mm-hmm. Do we have anything else to say in general about plot feeling? Anything like that? Um, I guess I'll I'll throw in. Um, well, I had one one last comment, like jokey comment, and then I'll throw in like the budget and talk about movies that were released just so we can have that comparison. Um, did anyone notice, so when, uh, what's his name? When, I don't have my notes anymore. Wendell, when Wendell, a.k.a. Hyde, uh, who doesn't rape, um, when, <laughs> he, when he was dead and was turning uh, with his bloody face, he was making Half-Life 2 sounds. Did yes. anyone else yes. hear that? Okay. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, that... Uh, I heard that too. He was like, oh, uh. <laughs> uh, 
I was like, is that like that is definitely Half-Life 2 sounds. Yeah, so that it must have been it must have been somebody on the day uh, an easy to grab sound effect because they, they did that with, like we said, a couple other weird sound effects they probably shouldn't have. But it's fine. It, it worked out well for that scene. It worked. It's just because I played through Half-Life so much. I'm like, uh huh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So our um, or our budget for this. From this. Go ahead, Chris. What'd you say? I said, or did, uh, you know, Gabe Newell steal from this to add into Half-Life? Because oh. <laughs> obviously this was before Half-Life. Oh, yeah, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> but it might also just be like a, a lot of those sound effects and whatever come come in like a pack. You you buy rights to like, you know, a thousand sound effects. And that's probably one of them. And the Wilhelm scream and a couple of other things. Well, the Wilhelm scream is in like hundreds of movies. It's very widely used. I know. I hate and, it. Uh, while we're still talking about like sound effects, I just want to bring up that uh, the lack of sound and the silence in a lot of this movie, when you only hear like the blowing of the wind and mm-hmm. tense scenes when two people are having a conversation, it really adds to the tension of the movie. And I don't think you need like, after like I, I lo- love the music and like the bump, 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 building tension in a lot of other scenes, but just the silence and the blowing of the wind is very effective way of showing the distrust and tension in this movie agreed completely agree like like we've said before the the lack of noise uh speaks more than having a bunch of cheesy violin sounds in there i agree with you completely yeah it was it, it the music came in at just the right time and it was just quiet enough that i was like this is good this is getting me back into it and yeah i i couldn't complain um all right so the budget for this movie was actually pretty high so this is 1982 just to remember uh budget of this was 15 million dollars which approximately is 41 million to today's standards so it's a it was a pretty big budget movie um they spent 1.5 million on the monsters and effects alone yeah 10 (laughs) percent 10 percent of 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 the budget went straight to that which is which is you know when you think about it in that way or it's surprising like they they spent only 10 percent on that and they got all that done it is surprising because this was this was way ahead of its time this mm-hmm. i mean in, in terms of you know horror effects and gore and this this set the tone for a lot of what what came after uh which is it's funny because i i was reading up on it and like reviewers at the time said that this was instant junk, a wretched excess. Uh, someone called it the worst film or the most hated film of all time. Um, so I, I, I find that very interesting that people said that, but I saw someone said that um, it had to compete with films like ET, which focused more on like uh, more optimistic perspectives, um, which I don't know what you expect going into a horror movie, but uh, I was going to comment on that too. This movie came out about a year after ET and ET was, Oh, it's a friendly alien phone home. <laughs> Yay. Everybody loves aliens. Right. And then it was, these aliens aren't good. And it was uh, just a complete like juxtaposition of how we perceive aliens and how aliens were represented. I think that's what this movie suffered from is coming out after ET. So well, so closely to ET. That's fair. Um, however, uh, looking at the movies that it had to 
compete with in 1982. We have we we only have a couple that are really really popular that came to my uh, notice. Uh, so we have Poltergeist. The first Poltergeist came out this year. Mm. We, we have, have to do that movie because that's mm, a very mm. and that movie has a dark history of in and of itself too. Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, we have Creep Show. Uh, Tenebrae, which I've never heard of, but it does get pretty good reviews. And then we jump down to and we start getting all these sequels. So we have Halloween Part 3. We have Friday the 13th Part 3. We have Amityville Horror Part uh, Part 2. So, I mean, there weren't a lot of things for it to compete with. It's, it's very surprising that this movie didn't do better, especially since it is John Carpenter, you know. Do you have yeah, a, uh, stop you right there. You missed a classic that came out in 1982. Uh-oh. What is it? Uh, that would be Grease 2. Oh, it, I only did horror movies. Sorry. I'm so sorry. You're right. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, do you have the, the numbers on what it made at the box office? Like, yeah. Yeah, it has uh, it made $19.6 million. So I don't know if that's by today's standards or then standards. It's if it's by then bad. standards... Then they made what, like four point six million dollars? Yeah, that's pretty good. It's it's not it's no children of the corn, but it's you know <laughs> you're not getting a seven time return on it, but it's like it's pretty good. Um, but uh, yeah, um, I think we we already knocked out pretty much everything. Uh, I mean the cinematics they were great. Uh, dark, dingy, everything was sad. Everything was good the only hope they had was the light that they would have inside their place and then that was also eventually uh knocked out when the generator was down which all hope was gone at that point um the uh they had a lot of uh i don't know they had a lot of good shots just following the people around um i don't know i i, I really enjoyed it i just kind of what uh i think it was jarvis was talking about the shots that they had um I felt like this the reason that this was a little ahead of its time was the shots that they took. Like the shots that you see in this aren't shots from 70s, early 80s horror movies. Mm -hmm. It's it it's very like modern to today's standards, it feels like. It just feels naturally like a movie that just came out recently, and this is the style that they were going for. Yeah, not not like aimed from people's ankles upwards. It's like it's them at like shoulder width or shoulder height shooting almost like you're there. Uh, not exactly found footage, but getting closer to that feel. All right. No, uh, the, the cinematography really set the tone early on. Um, and what I mean by that is, you, you know, when the, the helicopter's like chasing the dog, you just see this wide angle, wide open landscape mm -hmm. and you realize just the seclusion, you know, it's the big empty. And with the, you know, simplicity of the music, you know, that slow suspense and, you know, you know, they're not they're not taking you through like a tour of, of the, the entirety of the landscape. It's just it's just meant to make you feel very small, very secluded, very alone. So every little problem is just chipping away at at, at the hope meter. Yeah. And for sure. to me, it felt like you were in the station with them because it was like shot so close and such a confined space. You just you get claustrophobic as a viewer. Because you feel like you're trapped in there with them. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Dan, what do you got for um for our spook meter this week? All right, guys, we've been having way too many dogs dying in our movies lately. Oh, no. <laughs> um, oh, so, no. so 
look, there were six dogs that died in this movie. So as an RIP, um, you know, dicks out for Harambe or whatever. Um, uh, zero to six doggos. How many doggos would you do? I, I want to go back to the, the not dead meter. dogs, just like zero to I six wanna, dogs. I want to go back to the current meter. I don't want to base this spoopiness on. Okay, zero to six dogs. kernels that came out of the dog's butts. How many would you give them? <laughs> uh, I would, I would probably give it. It, it had me going probably about at a four. I had four uh, doggos. Uh, at times it it was gross it was uh suspenseful it was uh practical effects got me uh clenching you know it it was good i would go about four and a half doggos because it was it was a very tense movie it wasn't like jump no no jump scares really it was just like a tense grim movie and you just feel the tension in every scene and yeah four and a half doggos spoopiness i'm with like yeah, I'm with Mike. I'm going four and a half, four and a half good boys, um, be, because you know the the real fear the the real fear that they injected wasn't. You're right. It wasn't the jump scares. It was like, how much further are they gonna go? Because it, it felt like every time someone morphed or transformed, like it was just you know they, they were they were raising the stakes every time. You know there was never a moment when you didn't feel that tension and that uncertainty. And and, that, and I think that was the real the the real scare of it. So yeah, four and a half good boys. I'm uh I'm gonna go a little bit higher. I'm gonna give it a, a five out of six. Uh, beautiful doggos, and it's still in the same vein. It wasn't jump scare or anything, but to me, like a lot of moments of like the morphing just was really unsettling in a good way. Like I enjoyed it, like especially with um, Vance before terrifying spider head just of how like he was morphing and his head just slowly peeling off like ugh, it, it, i got shivers and just so uncomfortable about it but it was just so well done and uh what's your spoopy meter dan um you, you know i was listening to you guys and i i agree with you guys for the most part but i'm, I'm gonna give it six I'm going to, it can have all the dogs, um, as long as they come back on acid and harmed. Um, I, and the reason being that I, I, I was going to give it five to five and a half, but I got to call a good movie, a good movie. When I say it like this movie, it didn't scare me, but it made me feel uncomfortable, which is what a horror movie should do. Um, well, this the, is, the, this is the spoopy meter. This yeah, is yeah. 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 Uh, I I'm I'm going for that because that's what some horror movies are going for, right? They're not going for those cheap scares or anything like that. So I think by making me feel something, which many of the horror movies that we've watched haven't done that in the entirety of the movie, having an amazing plot, uh, Kurt Russell can be in any movie and I will watch that. <laughs> I so I I just think it's. I really think it's like a perfect horror movie. I just think it, it makes me feel uncomfortable every time I watch it. Yeah. I, I, I feel the same way about Deathbed. Perfect horror movie. <laughs> uncomfortable every time I watch it. So when are we remaking this movie? Did anyone get Liam Neeson on the phone yet? They uh, didn't remake this movie. They remade... Oh, no, no, Deathbed. I don't Death care Bed. about the thing anymore. Yeah, we're, we're moving past this. <laughs> we're, 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 Deathbed's in the works. I know Jarvis is still on board with this movie. Remake a Deathbed. Oh. Some calls are in place. It's going to get done. 
every penny I make from here on out is going to Deathbed Remake. No question. <laughs> he Someone says, get Mason on the phone. So you'll have the money in about a week because it doesn't take much money to make Deathbed again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> he says all that in front of his wife and kids. Um, <laughs> good luck living on the streets. <laughs> we got Deathbeds to make. Uh, yeah. So, um, yeah, I think that pretty much wraps it up. Uh, so our art, uh, was made by Connor MacLeod, uh, and our, uh, wonderful music was done by Andrew Cavanaugh. You can see all the links for all the stuff in our, uh, podcast, uh, in both the episode and in the podcast description. Um, make sure you guys just swing over to, uh, iTunes, write us a review if you want, go and follow us on Spotify. Honestly, everything helps. Um, we're on a lot of the social medias, albeit a little light right now, but we'll, we'll get up there. And, um, yeah, thanks for tuning in. I think, um, what do we have for next time? I think we're doing, uh, is it slumber? Yeah. I think we got slumber party massacre, uh, is scheduled. I can't wait. So, uh, I have no idea what that's about. Uh, I'm excited. And, uh, if there's not a bloody pillow fight, I'm going to be upset. (laughs) (laughs) You Uh, and me both. There has to be. Uh, so, Chris, do you have uh, something you want to tell everybody? Thanks for stopping by and having a horrible time. Uh-huh.